Mobile Rolling, presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound, making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices, online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. 28-8 the quarter, expensive ego. He leads the way by a neck. Our Uncle Sam sticks on. McDaniel's getting a peg run and finishing hard. Expensive ego, the leader. He has to lift. Inch by inch, McDaniel trying to cut him down, but expensive ego. Oh, he's a champ, all right. He's a champ in the making for sure and might be one of the best we've seen for a long time. He's beaten our Uncle yeah, Sam. Yeah, justifying favouritism, of course, at Newcastle last Saturday night. Chris Barsby is joining us. Good morning, Chris. Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Be honest, have you changed your mind at all this week? Are you which camp are you in, by the way? Expensive ego or King no. of Swing? No, I'm a King of Swing man. I've got to ask the question. When we were on air yesterday, Steve, Expensive Ego was the favourite over King of Swing. Just looking at the prices now with Tab, they've flipped again here. So King of Swing regains outright favouritism. He's at two dollars, and Expensive Ego is now at two twenty. But yesterday when we were on air talking about this race, Expensive Ego was definitely favourite, wasn't mm. it? I've got a feeling you had a bit to do with that, and I've got a feeling that to Darren Clayton as well, because you both believe that he might find the top, and if he finds the top, well, nothing's going to get past him. Yeah, well, that, that's the way I see it. Uh, I think there's a very good chance that he will be in front at some stage. Uh, it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be a real tactical battle. The barrier draw is made it that way, six-and-six six configuration. Expensive Ego's got the inside gate and King of Swing must overcome a second row draw. It's a question that we're going to ask our first guest. I'll be fascinated to see what Freddie Hastings thinks. He's been with us right throughout the series and he's about to join us online now. Freddie, appreciate the time. Pleasure, Chris. G'day to you. Yeah, look, uh, there's no doubt when the barrier draw was conducted on Monday, it sorted out a favourite, albeit for a few days. I, I wasn't convinced, however, that it sorted out the race. I think King of Swing can still win it. Um, he's he's a proven, tested, tried and true cha uh, champion. Uh, that call there, I, I've got no doubt. In 12 months' time, uh, maybe even sooner, Expensive Ego will uh, will sit on the mantle potentially as one of our top liners. He's still got it all to do, but and King of Swing, I think, despite the fact he's got that second row draw, it is two on the second line with the six six config, and I think King of Swing can win it. Okay, so do you agree with Chris and also Darren, Fred, that when he starts to charge around at some stage of the race that he might be able to roll on by Expensive Ego and find the lead? Well, I guess for me, I'm still trying to come to terms whether or not Expensive Ego can, can lead. He's going to be driven out for sure from barrier one. It's not an ideal draw for Expensive Ego. He doesn't generally come sizzling off the arm. Now, Malcolm's rhythm has tactical gate speed. We know that. Triple uh, Eight has tactical gate speed, and so does Bonsell Benjamin. Do they do they come out and try and cross expensive ego? If Malcolm's rhythm can use that that speed, and we all know Malcolm's rhythm's a superior stayer. There's no doubt about that. He, he's drawn two uh, with the emergency Mac Dan coming out, and, and uh, we've also got King of Swing who's drawn three. If Malcolm's Rhythm Triple Eight get away well, well, all of a sudden King of Swing's there at the right time to present early doors in the, within the first, you know, say maybe 800 metres. It's going to be an intriguing run into that first turn. Of course, we start the, the Inter-Dominion from the mile start, but they actually get to the judge and have two laps. So it's a run of about, uh, into that turn, about 300 metres, and that is going to be incredible. 
Chris, you, you've seen both Expensive Ego, you've seen plenty of King of Swing and, and some of the others. I mean, my opinion is I, there's enough speed around Expensive Ego to maybe bother him early. Do you agree with that or do you think he can hold? No, I think he'll get crossed. The, the horse mm-hmm. that I wanted to ask you about with the gate speed was Bombsell Benjamin. You, you've called him a lot in recent times. If if they really want to put the foot down with Bombsell Benjamin, does he have the speed to, to get across them all? He does. He's a very fast horse off the arm. We, we saw at Bathurst, Chris, that the, the camp flagged their intentions on that occasion, That albeit they had a much better draw than they have in the grand final, that they were going to hold the lead and they were going to hold King of Swing out. Um, as I said, I, I can see... I really can see Malcolm's rhythm potentially getting across expensive ego. I've got no doubt they're going to have to drive him out hard uh, ego, but he, he just doesn't have that brilliance off the arm. And then you've got some of the outside brigade, including Bonsell Benjamin. He's, he's effectively going to come from six. He, he's got the speed to close down. Uh, so so in, in some ways, we could even see expensive ego maybe. It's going to be an intriguing running that corner. Mm, we're just losing you, but surely they've got to. David's then got to, given your comments, Fred, but surely then David's got to be aggressive out anyway, hasn't he? And try and, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, oh, look, I've got no doubt they will. They've got to try and use him from the gate. You can't have barrier one and know that, you know, you, you could land three markers. You've got to come out. Um, I just. I just don't know that he's got that brilliance at the start to potentially hold out a Bonsell Benjamin. But he's got to try. There's no doubt, Steve, he's got to try. Mm. Yeah. So with that good draw, as thrilled as they would have been initially when that draw came out on Monday night, uh, you know, it it brings pressure. Good draws bring pressure. And it's no difference here. It was no different here on Saturday night with expensive ego. They've got to have to use him at some point to try and maintain that, uh, that ideal draw. So... Essentially, this might play into the hands of King of Swing and Luke McCarthy because that first, you know, 400 metres is going to be vital. Well, it's going to be a huge charge. And as I said, Triple Eight's got to try and slot in there somewhere. Uh, Majestic Cruiser uh, possesses some gate speed. Uh, Spirit of St. Louis is an interesting runner. I think, Chris, I think the 6-6 configuration has kind of uh, made it very interesting because it, it, you know they're not drawn right off the track, are they? Those, those horses with the mm-hmm. gate speed. Um, so you know, potentially uh, it gives them a, a better chance to get into that that turn ahead of expensive ego. Um, it, it's going to be a real intriguing race. You've got, uh, you know, we, we know how good expensive ego is, but you know we saw what King of Swing could do the other day with an unimpeded run. He, he smashed the clock. The record was broken by Bunduran at Newcastle, and uh, King of Swing comes out a race later and, and, and beats it by 1.8 seconds. So, you know, we know what he can do. He's proven he has won races. He's won a Black Safaka over a long trip. He's not a one-trick pony. He's won a, a Hunter Cup over a long trip. Everyone tends to associate King of Swing with his miracle mile performances and his great mile performances. Um, so he, you know, he's got plenty of stamina in his legs, and um, I just come back also to that comment that Luke McCarthy did make about expensive ego being, a, you know, a dour type who relish uh, a campaign like this. If, if expensive ego drew maybe, you know, three or four, it might have been a, a case of, you know, and King of swing the back rope. I'd say we'd be talking about expensive ego still being the, mm. the favourite two days before. Fred, Luke was with Chris and I yesterday. I'm just going to play a few of those comments. Chris was talking about the trip with expensive ego. This was Luke's response. Well, 
I, I guess we don't really know. Um, and none of these horses have been at that distance. Um, all the races are obviously 2,700 or shorter. So, look, they're nearly three, yeah, 3,000 metres, I guess. But I don't think so. I think he'd run 4,000 metres if you asked him to. He's so strong. Um, just the lead time will be the difference between him and King if he has to gas up early and just that might be enough to take the sting out of him for King to go over the top of him late. So he can, do you think King of Swing can sit outside him, Luke, do you, and, and, and beat expensive ego? I don't know. It'll just depend on how much they do early. Like, if he gets out, gets a soft lead, you know, they're just sitting on 29 quarters, like he's just so hard to pass. But if they burn up for a good 600 and Donkel Benjamin, their camp, have sort of indicated they're holding the front, which I highly doubt over 3,000 metres. But, um, you know, maybe the more speed on early, the more it makes it for King. But if it's easy for them, all, all of a sudden there you go, he's hard to get past. There you go, some comments there, Chris. Yeah, and just to give that some more context uh, for, for, for Fred, uh, I just posed the question, Fred, about expensive ego. Yes, he's proved at 2,400, but anything beyond 2,400, not that he's had many starts. In fact, his only start beyond 2,400 was in the Black Safaica earlier this year up in Brisbane, and he was unplaced. He finished seventh for memory. So I just posed that question because you're trying to find chinks in the armour of all of these horses, and that was one that I could come up with with expensive ego, but... As Luke outlined there, he thinks he can run 4,000 metres. So it was just a, a question that I wanted to pose, just to, to feel if he was a genuine stayer. Well, they're both big, strong bulls, aren't they? Ego and, and King of yeah. Swing. And, and, and you know, they're, they're, it's all going to get down to, you know, as Luke alluded there, how that, that first part of the race is run. And that's where it becomes interesting. You know, Bonsell Benjamin, if he can cross him, if he's got a burnout a bit on expensive ego, it really does play into the hands of King of Swing because he has won some of those feature Group 1 races at a, at a longer trip, albeit not at two mile. But effectively, none of these have been over 3,009 metres. Um, under race yeah. conditions, pretty much. So it's 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 uncharted waters for all of them. So then you've got to come back to tactics, drivers, and 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 the skill of the horse. And and you know, there's no doubt King of Swing is the best horse in the race. Um, but, you know, it's it's just going to get down. I really believe it's a race that's going to be potentially sorted out in the first, you know, say 800 to 1,000 metres when they you know, jostle for positions and find their positions. I think the six. I keep coming back to it, Chris. The 6-6 six, six configuration has made it even more interesting and yeah, potentially, you know, inconvenience of those horses on the back row that are drawn, you know, um, three, uh, four, five and six. So do you um, like the idea of that, Fred? No, no, I, I don't. I, I don't. Um, my, my feeling is, and I, you know, I, I know I'm probably one out on this, but we had you know, a field of 12 with two emergencies. Part of me says maybe the two emergencies should not be included in the draw and just be made numbers 13 and 14. And should they get a start, and they've got a start on the outside of that second line, uh, well, that's a reward for at least getting into the race. They were outside the top 12 qualifiers. Um, you know, there's a line of thinking maybe they could be drawn 13 and 14 and replace a scratched horse like a like a in a, in a greyhound race. Uh, and that has been done in Indian Dominion down in Sydney once before where an emergency took up the place of a, a scratched horse. But I think perhaps, you know, we should have seen, a, you know, an 8-4 like was advertised. Um, and then if those other two, if they want emergencies, have them as numbers 13 and 14. And if they do get a start, well, they have to start outside the second row as 
you know, not, not a, a penalty for, for you know, uh, not making the, the top uh, 12, but, but certainly not getting an advantage over those that have qualified with the appropriate amount of points mm. uh, in the race. So that, that's just a personal view. Do we need that emergencies, Chris? Well, I think we do, but I, I agree 100% with Fred. I think that's the perfect way. Just draw them out in 13 and 14, and uh, if they gain a start, well, that's where they start from. It, it is going to look very different for Fred and for a lot of people that tune in regularly, watch Angle. they see that, that big track with the big front line behind the start car, and then all of a sudden for our biggest race, we've got a six and six configuration. It is going to look very different. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and it, you know, it, it changes, it, it has changed, you know, eight, eight, Four configuration was was going to be a different uh, kettle of fish, and I understand that was done uh, because of the the, the the heats being run at Newcastle and Bathurst, and that's how they operate their races. But I think um, six six, uh, I, I'm, I'm just not sold on it, and yeah, I, I, I think it would have been a, a better scenario to have them uh, drawn out of the draw or put out of the draw, and then if they get a run, good on them. They, they, they they've got a run, mm. and that's a reward for them. Yep. But you're kind of disadvantaging those that earn the top 12 points um, in some ways, the way the draw... And, you know, you could argue if they drew eight on the front line, that, you know, it's still a disadvantage. But I think having them in the draw, uh, the top 12 in the draw, and then have your two emergencies, 13, 14, I, I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah. So what's your top four, Freddie, for the, uh, the pacing final? I'm going uh, King of Swing to beat Expensive Ego. Putting in triple eight, I think he's been a bit of a revelation. He's been on their hammers all the time, and with the right run, he's going to be in the mix. And I'm going to put in uh, Malcolm's Rhythm. Uh, he's he's a very good staying type. He's won a stack of country cups. I've got no doubt before he fell, he might have been in the placings in the uh, the Vic Cup before he fell. And uh, I just think he's really good at a trip, Chris. And I, I put him in for fourth. But I'm leaving out horses that have been going well, like. Uh, Bell Raj and, and, and Majestic Cruiser as well. You can't tip them all. So King of Swing, Expensive Ego, Triple Eight and Malcolm's Rhythm. Mm, King of Swing, $2. Just as a caller's point of view, Fred, obviously you're going to be, you know, a uh, toey on the night as any professional broadcaster would be calling a prestigious race like this. In regards to all these horses that you see all through the heats, do you, I mean, do you just brush, you know the colours already, but you just obviously refresh your memory on the night itself, but you'd be able to call these horses in your sleep, wouldn't you? Well, you, you, if you're not a bit toey, a bit edgy, and Chris, I'm sure you'll attest to this, if, if you're not in that state leading into a race like this, you shouldn't be doing the job. I think you, you, you have to be a little bit keyed up. You've got to control your energy and, and, and you know, make it, you know, turn into nervous energy and not be nervous. Um, but, yeah, you, you do, over the course of the, the time, you, you know the horses, you know the colours, and um, it's just a matter of brushing up on the night and, and you just hope everything goes to plan, but... but uh, you know, you don't, uh, you know, get a cop in the middle of the race or anything like that. I, I must confess I was on some medication going back uh, a few months ago and it, one of the side effects was it gave you a cop. And I went, kept going back to the doctor and saying, you've got to get me off this because I can't be coughing in the middle of what I do for a living. So um, we experimented with about three or four different medications and finally got it right. So... Uh, you know, with, with the uh, with the inner dominion in mind, I was adamant we're not going to be having a cough in the middle of the mm. race. So bless the doctor, we fiddled and we've got it right. Any of these McCarthy horses got similar colours or not? Uh, John John's in the same colours, but obviously he's got checks. I'm assuming he'll be driving uh, 
um, Spirit of St. Louis in his colours. Jack Callaghan will drive out or Orlando in his, which are yellow and black. So, so no, um, and, you know, I'm not sure what colours... I haven't seen the colours yet uh, as to what David will drive in, whether he drives in his own or, or, or you know... But on the night, I'll just brush up on those. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's pretty much... You, you, you're aware of who they are, what they are. Um, you know, kind of, Steve, you kind of know where they might land in mm. running. So, you, you know, that's another little advantage. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be... Hopefully, it'll be all right on the night. <laughs> Well, I'm sure you'll knock it out of the park once again, Freddie. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on over the past couple of weeks right throughout the series. It's the uh, the big dance time on Saturday night, both the Pacers and the Trotters. It's going to be a super night of racing. Uh, do well. I'm sure you will. I've got no doubt about it. And uh, enjoy it. That's, uh, that's the main thing. Just go out there and have some fun. Well, thanks to both of you for having me on over the last month. It's been a pleasure to be part of your show. And, yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. And... Uh, May you know, man and beast both uh, the best on the night uh, prevail in, in what should be some great racing. All right, we'll come up with a good line, Fred. If expensive ego wins, you'll have to come up with a good line. And King of Swing, another good line. Of course, you came up with a beauty last week, so keep working on it in the shower. <laughs> oh, you know my secrets. You're giving my secrets away. <laughs> I used to G Chris up about practicing in the shower as well. Uh, well, uh, we're talking about race calling there, so we'll leave it at that. It's uh, lovely to be lovely to be on the show, boys. Yes, thank you, Fred Hastings. Yeah, good. Uh, Fred Hastings yeah. uh, joining us there, Chris. Uh, Amanda Rando is our next guest. Amanda, good morning. Guys, how are we both? Very well, very well. So the barrier draw has been conducted for both the Pacers and the Trotters. Uh, tactically now, that's all it's about. Does expensive ego get crossed? Who does he get crossed by? When does King of Swing make the move? Who's going to be in front with a 1,000 metres left to run this big staying feature on, on Saturday night? So give us all of your thoughts on how you break this race down. Yeah, look, after the, the draw was released on Monday night, hasn't it thrown the markets into chaos? And uh, as you guys just mentioned earlier, um, expensive ego firmed into favouritism. And just within the last sort of half an hour, hour, uh, he, he's come out in the market and King of Swing has come back in. So in my opinion, whoever got that, that opening price of $3 for King of Swing is a genius because I definitely think he's the horse to win the race. But... In terms of a speed map, um, look, I find barrier one a bit of a problem for expensive ego. I, I, I don't think they'll try and bustle him out too hard from, from that draw. And uh, with the likes of the seven, Bonsell Benjamin, he's just got electric gate speed. And I see him going forward and... We saw how aggressively uh, he was driven in the Bathurst round of heats and, and he almost beat King of Swing on the line. So a different scenario, obviously, this Saturday night. We've got the 3,000 metres to contest with rather than the mile that they had at Bathurst. But uh, in terms of, the say, the first 600 metres, I think Bonsell Benjamin's the one on top. OK, so you've got Bonsell Benjamin leading. So all this early pressure is obviously going to be an advantage for King of Swing because he doesn't have to participate in that, you know, hustle bustle early. So is he the horse to beat? And do you think he, he'll work around and eventually find the lead at some stage in this race? 
Yeah, I don't know if he'll find the lead. Uh, just uh, That will all depend on the tempo. Um, Luke McCarthy, he's obviously got the drive and king of swing, and he's one of our best drivers in Australasia. So he's no stranger to driving in these big races. And I think, you know, depending on the pace, Luke would even be happy to sit outside uh, the leader with King of Swing because he can dictate the tempo from there. So uh, that first 600 metres is going to be cru- crucial. What connections decide to do, say, Bonds or Benjamin does take that lead, do they hand up? You know, you'd think they'd be happy to take a sit on King of Swing because he'd take him right into the race. Um, but there's a few others there off that front row that uh, have early speed as well, including the three Malcolm's Rhythm. And on his back, uh, is his stablemate, Max Delight. That's pending, you know, if those emergencies are, are drawn out of the field. So you'd think Malcolm Rhythm would like to punch through early too and give Max Delight a nice uh, spot early on from that second row draw. So Malcolm's Rhythm, uh, Majestic Cruiser also has early speed off the front row, but I do think Bonsell Benjamin is the one that can cross them all. The way, the, the vibe I got yesterday, Amanda and Chris listening to Luke, and it was a terrific interview, is it possible if this horse crosses, and you seem to think it might, that he might just come straight off its back straight away, like within a couple of hundred on expensive ego, just switch around and, and just take the front from Bonsell Benjamin and then wait for King of Swing? Well, that's uh, at the barrier draws on Monday night. That's what Luke sort of alluded to. Obviously, David Moran's got the drive on expensive ego. And in the media, David Moran's expressed his concerns with barrier one as well for that horse. Uh, I think if the opportunity is there, I think they'll be trying to get off the peg straight away with expensive ego. So uh, it just depends how he's going to be, you know, if he's going to be in a pocket with that second row draw, as you guys have mentioned, it's a 6-6 configuration if those two emergencies are are withdrawn from that front line. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, and that, that's my only concern for extensive ego. I think, you know, he's got the ability. We've seen that. He's gone through the series unbeaten. Uh, prior to the series, Luke McCarthy, you know, stated there isn't much between him and King of Swing. Uh, I just think this barrier draw just might be his Achilles heel. Okay. So what are your top four selections for the pacing final? Look, I really like King of Swing uh, on top. So Barry Eleven, um, he's he's so versatile, uh, and you know with Luke McCarthy, he's such a patient driver in these big races. So he's got a lot going his way. He he's gone through the series so well, and his win at Newcastle on Sunday was so impressive. I've never seen the horse um, race as keen as he did, and Luke said he he was striding out so much that he was hitting the sulky. So he raced keen, but he still won, and he, he set that explosive uh, track record time as well. So I think he's come through the series so well. The dark horse for me is Triple Eight in number four. Uh, I've tipped him for second. I, I think he can run a great race. He's just progressed through the series very well. He's just chipped away. He's got better with each run. Um, and he's drawn well where he has. He'll come out of barrier three if that first emergency is removed. I've got an expensive ego there for third. Uh, as I said just before, I think that I'm not, not doubting his ability whatsoever. I just find this draw a bit tricky for him. And my fourth pick is the 10, Max Delight. You know, he won the Victoria Cup beating some of these horses uh, not that long ago. And uh, he's also been impressive in the series and ran a good race at Newcastle on Sunday, just, you know, went a really slick third quarter that just, you know, got him on the end on the line. But uh, I don't think we can underestimate his abilities either.
Okay, so 11 for 110 for Amanda Rando from Harness Link for the Pacers final. Now, more importantly for the Trotters final, your mum and dad's horse is qualified. And as it stands, he's got a slice of history here because he was the only dual heat winner for the Trotting Series. And this is the first Trotting Series final being run at Menangle. But unfortunately, he got slammed with a shocking draw here on Saturday night. He's got gate number 14 or saddle clock number 14. So the outside of the second row. How does the, uh, how does the, the family react to that barrier draw? But more importantly, who wins this Trotters into Dominion Grand Final? Yeah, well, the family's reaction, they're not. Look, it wasn't the, the draw they would have picked, uh, but uh, they're not overly concerned either because being over the 3,000 metres, there's going to be so many changes in this race and you probably don't want to be part of that early burn. You know, we saw uh, Pink Galaz and Tough Monarch come undone uh, that first round of heats at Menangle uh, after they went so hard early. And, and it was Timothy Red that came out and won that race in Australasian record time. So they're not overly concerned. And in my opinion, he follows out... Uh, one of the best horses to follow, and that's Maori Law. If those, you know, that first emergency, Alzabar and Crescent is removed, so uh, yeah, they're not too concerned about that at all. Okay, so who wins it? Because it looks so open. Yeah, and and the market suggests that as well, doesn't it? So um, look, there's. Definitely, you know, the top six, seven horses in this race have all got a genuine winning chance. It is just going to depend on that draw. Uh, I think the early leader is the two majestic man. Uh, you know, things fell apart for him at, at Bathurst, unfortunately, but he bounced back. He ran fourth at Newcastle to qualify, and he actually ran the fastest last 800 metres in his last heat um, at Newcastle on Sunday. So his run was pretty good. Anthony Butt is quite... You know, he's made it quite clear he wants to hold the lead from barrier two. Uh, the way I see the race, though, I've got the six Maori Law on top. This horse has just impressed me throughout. Um, and I've always thought he's a bit of a danger for Timothy. He ran fifth on opening night. It was a quiet run, but he, he was doing his best work over the line. He ran a, a great second at Bathurst. He did a lot of work and he was driven more aggressively as well uh, at Newcastle on Sunday and he got the cash there. So, uh, yeah, it's I think he's the one to beat. I've got Timothy Red in for second. Uh, as you said, he, you know, he's the only horse to go through into this final, winning two of the heats. He went ran an Australasian record that first night at Menangle. Then at Bathurst, he ran a track record. So the times are there. Um, so and he definitely can make the distance. He'll run all day long, and he can sustain a strong sprint. Uh, my third pick is. The mare, Pink Galaz, one of two mares in this field on Saturday night. And she's just so honest, Chris. Uh, she, she's done it tough in her three heats and she hasn't disappointed. She's placed in each of them. Maddie Craven did allude that uh, he might, might follow a helmet for a bit longer with her. So I think that's her strongest hope in this race. And also like the penny drops. He's my fourth pick. He's, uh, you know... Got such a huge fan following this horse, a horse that, you know, in his early early days wouldn't go forward uh, until they tied a horse next to him. And now look at him, he's in the Inter-Dominion. So he ran a really slick race to win at Newcastle on Sunday. And we know he can make the distance and he's tough as well. So he's versatile. So they're my top four for the Trotters, Chris. But yeah, geez, it's an open one. Yeah, it certainly is. But your numbers are 6, 14, 7 and 12. That's going to be a fascinating race for so many different reasons. The trotting grand final history created there 
by staging the uh, the first Inter Dominion Trotting Grand Final at Menangle. Uh, really appreciate the time over the past couple of weeks, Amanda. We look forward to the coverage through Harness Link between now and Saturday night. And obviously, post-race, you're going to be busy, busy, busy because I'm sure you're going to be filing plenty of copy. Yes, I will. So I can't wait to get trackside. It's going to be such a great night. It's been such an exciting series. You know, there were some, you know, people that weren't that excited with the series moving around to where it has, but, you know, it's definitely delivered. And, yeah, to get to these grand finals on Saturday, we've got two more seats to go. So I'm so excited. Excellent stuff. Really appreciate the time. Enjoy the night on Saturday night. Will do. Thanks, guys. There's Amanda Rando from Harness Link. So you can go online. You can get all of your information by going to the website, harnesslink.com. It's your one-stop shop. We've got Gloucester Park Harness Racing tomorrow night, Steve. It's a big program as well. One of your favourite paces is back in action tomorrow night. We're talking about Magnificent Storm, who steps out in race number five, the City of Perth Cup. This is a Group 2 feature worth $50,000. He's had a couple of recent trials and he lines up from gate number three. Our man in the West is Matty Young. He joins us each and every Thursday. He's online with us now. Matty, good morning. Good morning to you, boys. Just a case of going around. Okay, could I have that again? <laughs> I'm just saying, just, is it just a case of only bad luck will stop him or not? Um, I've got to say, I haven't been really that impressed with his trials, although there might have been... He's a funny horse, uh, Magnificent Storm, because he um, just does what he has to do. So you can easily fall into the trap of not being impressed by him. And then he goes to the races and uh, makes you look silly. So, um, look, he probably should be able to win. Tactically, it'll be interesting with Bell Catherine Jaunty. He's inside of Motu Premier. Uh, Hampton Banner's out wide. has got brilliant gate speed. So is it a case of someone trying do something a little bit uh, out there and try and cross him or do they just hand up, uh, try and accept second and third and uh, let him go on his merry way. So he's had the two trials, it's two good hit outs. He normally takes a few to get wound up. So I think that was a good decision by the trainer. And uh, here we are for tomorrow night. So I couldn't be diving into the short odds, but yeah, he's, he's proven me wrong before. Uh, he's a very good horse. Okay, so magnificent storm to score, but uh, no value there at the current quote. What is your best bet coming through on this card tomorrow night? Uh, I'm going a little bit earlier. Race two, number three, rock me over. Has got a good draw. I think I think he'll be able to work his way to the top here. He's a horse that's got so-so gate speed. He's not brilliant here, but I'm pretty sure he'll put enough pressure on burning rubber early and uh, they'd be happy to take the trail in this sort of grade. So Rock Me Over is a very good front runner, and I expect him to be able to get to the top, and if he finds the lead, uh, I don't believe they'll be catching him. So race two, number three, Rock Me Over is the best on the card for me. Okay, so race two, number three, the best bet for Matt. A couple of other things, important things that I wanted to talk to you about this morning. We're just talking about Magnificent Storm, the cup races are next month, the Fremantle and WA Pacing Cups. Chicago Bull is expected to be nominated next Friday night. Yeah, well, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, that that yeah. just, like, most were probably thinking that he wouldn't be starting in these races, but here he is. He's going to start before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> we've had a look in the last few weeks at the horses that are coming back. Uh, Rock and Roll Lincoln, Major Martini, Magnificent Storm Minstrel came back last week. We've still got Mighty Conqueror to come back. Chicago Bull. Uh, pretty much, 
the only horse that's missing is uh, Shockwave. And what about that good three year old, Matt? That really good horse? Um, yes. Yeah, well, he's, um, he's out on injury at the moment. Um, so, yeah, not sure when he's going to come back. But, yeah, I, I, because of the change of the season, I haven't seen too many that have uh, wanted to put their horses in from because technically they're still three and then go into their four-year-old season to step straight into a pacing cup. Normally they give them a season under their belt before taking it on. So realistically they'll start racing in a pacing cup series when they're about five. Okay. The other thing that I wanted to talk to you about this morning, on your radio program over there in the West earlier this week, you spoke with Gary Hall Jr. And one of the topics of discussion was... Uh, he, the, the possibility of him going to North America. Yeah. That was really yeah. interesting. So can you just expand on that? I'll tell you what, Chris. Uh, he was on my show for 40 minutes on Tuesday, and I could have had him on for another 40 or so. Uh, we had to cut it short, unfortunately, due to uh, time allowances. But, yeah, look, uh, Junior's he's got everything lined up and ready to go if he wanted to go... Uh, to the states, and it's something that he's he's quite interested in because he's pretty much done everything over here, and he's just looking for that challenge. So uh, it's something that he'd be very interested in, and yeah, he was more or less interested in it before COVID, and now he hasn't been able to go. But with his contacts that he has in place, it's something that he um, will be looking at potentially doing in the next few years, I would imagine. So, uh, yeah, that was that was the big news out of there. There had been a few rumours around about Junior looking to go to the US uh, for a stint. Uh, so it's, it's good to hear it come out of his own mouth. And, yeah, hopefully he does do it because it would uh, create a, a lot of interest for everyone back here in WA watching him in the States and knowing what we know about Junior is he's in incredibly competitive and it shouldn't take him too long to really establish himself over there as a, a top driver. Well, a couple of things to come out of that, but the void he would leave by going uh, to North America, because by far and away, he is the number one driver in WA. Many have him as the number one driver in the country. So just the, uh, the, the hole that he would leave if he did go to North America and furthermore, once he's in North America, there's no doubt he would be the most accomplished rainsman to head to North America. Dexter Dunn's done it, and we know his skill level. But when you think what Gary Hall Jr.'s done, that's, that's a whole new level altogether when you compare him and, and Dexter Dunn on what they've achieved down under. So that would be fascinating to see how he would measure up over there. Yeah, I agree, 100%. And... Uh, another thing that we could have spoken about with Junior on Tuesday, I had a good chat with him on Monday just going through a few things and I spoke to him about uh, the idea of training once Senior retires and it's something that he doesn't seem to be that keen on at the moment. Um, he's, he still thinks he has a lot to give and that's when he brought up the North American trip and how he would like to go over there before he settles down in WA and, uh, yeah, trains horses full-time. So uh, no doubt with Madison Brown, uh, who is his partner, 
So that was that was a very interesting mm. comment, which made me think that it will probably be more pressing in the next few years because senior would be getting closer to retirement. I would imagine, although senior has no signs of slowing down, showing no signs of slowing down either. So um, yeah, it is fascinating. I think the hole that would be left in WA. Uh, yeah, it would be hard to fill, but we've got some great young drivers coming through and it just gives another person to step up and take that opportunity. I mean, in the last couple of seasons, we've seen Aidan DeCampo go from strength to strength. So someone like him could probably step up and become the premier rangeman in the state. Chris Voigt, Emily Savelko, Shannon Savelko. So there's, there's plenty of uh, good drivers that could step up. But uh, in terms of junior leaving WA, you're losing an absolute legend of the sport and uh, probably the most accomplished driver in WA alongside Chris Lewis and Fred Kersley. Mm, yeah, no doubt about that. It'll be fascinating to uh, just follow that story and, uh, you know, see if it does, you know, finally eventuate. Time will do, and um, he'll be the best person to uh, determine whether or not it's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, fascinating insight there on Tuesday morning on your program. Maddie, really appreciate the time today. Uh, we'll be chatting next week. We've got the tip, race two, number three. So best of luck. Cheers, boys. Thank I you. I've got to ask him an important question, Chris. Oh, yeah. Steve's got one more important question for you, Reed Jr. No, actually okay. not Reed Jr. Uh, even though, yes, oh. yeah, when he does go to America, tell him that I can look after the boat and keep take care of it for him. I won't use it. Um, <laughs> I've got to ask you what you're like in the Inter-Dominion final. Yeah, I thought the barrier draws made it very interesting. Um very hard to go past King of Swing. I thought when he had his first run, he looked like he just had a little bit of condition to work with. And uh, seeing how he came through that run at Newcastle on Sunday, uh, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty keen that uh, Luke and Belinda have really got this horse firing to be able to win the Inter Dominion Grand Final. So Luke's he's not silly. He's uh, he knows exactly what he's doing and. That's why he's picked the drive. So I'm going to stick with uh, the strength in the camp and go king of swing and uh, also because I'm a parochial West Aussie and hope to see him winning into Dominion. I hope Expensive Ego is not listening to the radio tab coverage this week because he hasn't got to mention the poor old bugger. <laughs> <laughs> he's <laughs> every, got a complex. Every, yeah, exactly. Everyone's king of swing crazy. <laughs> it's ended up being a horrible... Oh, not a horrible draw for him, but it's a very... Mm. Yeah, it um, could be an absolute Perplexing. curse, that draw. And I've, I've seen a few people on social media mention that. So... Yeah, it's um, it's going to be a fascinating race tactically. It certainly is. Thanks, Matt. Cheers, guys. Matt Young joining us. Chris, we'll get someone on the air that likes expensive ego uh, tomorrow, <laughs> will we? <laughs> There's got to be someone out there, surely. Maybe David Fowler likes it, does he? <laughs> Thanks for that, Chris.